You are now listening to EPT Podcast, an ongoing series of conversations with field experts in electronics design and engineering. This podcast is being presented by EPT Magazine, Canada's information leader for the electronics industry. I'm your host, Stephen Law, editor of EPT Magazine. Hello, EPT readers, and welcome to this podcast. Our guest for this episode is Matt Ransom. Director of EMEA Supply Chain and Operations with Avnet Silica, a global specialty distributor of semiconductors. Avnet Silica supports electronic design projects all the way from idea to concept to production, connecting customers and suppliers. Well, as most of you are aware, supply chain issues and semiconductor shortages have been all over the news in the past two years with many automotive manufacturers announcing line stoppages and losses in revenue as a result. But just how serious did things get? What has been the impact of the shortages so far? To help us delve into this subject further, Avnet Silica recently analyzed the public financial records for the major semiconductor and automotive manufacturers to reveal how low semiconductor stock levels dropped during the COVID pandemic and the effect this has had on the automotive production lines and revenue. We're hoping Matt can share some of these findings with us here today. Well, Matt, welcome to our podcast. Hi, nice to be here, Stephen, thank you. Now, Matt, could you describe the importance of semiconductors in today's automotive vehicles compared to that of, say, 20 years ago? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as I'm sure most people would uh, that own a, a vehicle uh, would, would know that there's a whole bunch of new tech uh, included not just for from a comfort perspective with your your infotainment systems and so on, but uh, from a as well from a safety um, perspective with you know advanced sensor systems and so on, uh, and even even more so with the you know the continued trajectory towards autonomous driving, right? Um, so uh, with any of these kind of electrical um, systems, um, semiconductors are. If, or semiconductor components um, are pivotal, right? They are they are what make up the vast majority of any electronics. Um, so, as you could probably then imagine, that as the technology inside of the vehicle has expanded over time, um, as has the content of semiconductors to the point that now, um, you know, there are certain safety systems that if you can't get those semiconductors, you simply cannot you cannot sell that car, right? Um, because they are that embedded. So, you know, years ago, we'd be talking about two, 300 semiconductors in a vehicle. Uh, now we're talking, you know, 3,000, 3,500, or dependent on the, the, the type of car and the, uh, the electrification of that vehicle, you could be upwards of 4,000. So um, hugely, hugely important for the, for the automotive industry. So more specifically, which semiconductor categories are the most impactful to the design of automotive vehicles? Um, you've got a range, but we would say mi- uh, micro uh, control units or M- MCUs, um, which you could see in my my very layman's uh, terms as the, the, the brain of the, uh, the electronic system itself. Um, so those certainly memory uh, content has increased significantly. Um, you, everything that you do requires some kind of short-term memory within the, in the vehicle itself. Um, and then sensors. Uh, would be another big one as well, um, certainly in, in newer models. Hmm. But MCUs are, I would say, the most uh, critical components um, for, for vehicles. 
Okay, and maybe if you could uh, explain to our readers just how bad the disruption of semi shortages has been for automakers and maybe speak specifically to the revenue losses. Estimations off the basis of our uh, our own analysis, we estimate that at least of the, the auto manufacturers in scope of, of, of what we performed lost out on somewhere in the range of $300 billion uh, of revenue uh, in, in calendar 2021. Um, and if you consider it over the whole or since the beginning of the pandemic, so to speak, we estimate that to be somewhere in the region of 500 billion. Okay, it's a really, really significant um, impact uh, of all the companies we looked at. And we found that at least 70% of them had announced a line stoppage, so a production stop within the last year. Um, and of that, 45% of them um, had actually specifically cited it as a supply chain issue, whether that is um, a semiconductor, not being able to get a semiconductor or a raft of other uh, disruptions um, to things like transportation uh, networks and so on. So it's been pretty, pretty significant. Are you able to indicate sort of the stock level drops that have been experienced by semiconductor makers? I know the study of the analysis also uh, determines some of the factors, whether it's the emergence of 5G and other technology, IoT as well. Yeah, absolutely. So again, looking at the, the companies that we kind of analyzed, um, we saw that the actual manufacturers of the, the semiconductor uh, components themselves, they're kind of finished stock finished goods um, dropped to just 23 days, right? Um, at a point where, you know, lead times for these particular components rose to well over 150 days, right? And some uh, semiconductor manufacturers, you know, reported dropping to as low as three days worth of inventory. And to give you some perspective on what three days of inventory looks like, um, you know, parts can be on a boat for, depending where they're coming from, right, uh, can be on a boat for, for six weeks. So <laughs> three days of inventory is really, uh, really not a lot. You know, as the recipient of that shipment, there's no telling uh, due to the complexities of this when that ship hits shore, right? Right, absolutely. And because of those other, um, you know, disruptions for it as well, um, for things like lockdowns and challenges like that, even very recently with the Shanghai lockdown, right, you've got goods getting caught up in the just the, the network of, of trade, right, you know, customs, uh, export departments, and so on, goods are just really struggling to, to get through in these kind of scenarios. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 we spoke about the, the pandemic being kind of the instigator of a lot of these things um, but it's really compounded and and we believe that it's been not a long time coming but there has been stresses on the supply chain for a long time and the pandemic was enough to break the kind of burst the pipe if you will oh for sure i uh, know these factors have had automakers and other electronic oems consider changes uh, from just-in-time production model uh, what have you witnessed in your experience and um, so what we're seeing right now is kind of a, a, a tale of two story, uh, of two sides, if you will. So there is obviously an immediate focus to keep short-term production lines running, right? So how do you secure the material you need to deliver the, the vehicles that you need to? Um, and that is tough to the point that I, 
I'm sure most most people would know if you, you want to go and order a car right now, um, you're not picking it up within a couple of weeks like you used to, right? You're, you're months away. Um, so that's more the short-term kind of tactical view. But what we are seeing is a lot more discussion around the uh, a more strategic stance on on how do we how do we augment our supply chain practices that have been ingrained within the industry for years and worked well, I will add, um, to today's current environment and even potential future environments where we need to consider different approach rates. Right? One of the big things is, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of companies have always seen supply chain uh, as effectively a cost driver right so it's a mechanism in which you can continue to reduce cost and just-in-time delivery is a fantastic example of that it's a it's a mechanism to drive super efficiency and, and really drive down your cost now i think that the the, the thought process has, has clearly changed and supply chain is now actually being seen more of a, a source of value creation uh, for companies, because simply put, if you do not have a robust supply chain, your business financially uh, is is at risk to a to a high degree, right? Um, so those are the kind of things that we we've been seeing. So you know, a lot of customers moving away from this idea of just in time to just in case, right? Um, which is uh, you know how do how do I how do I know that if another big problem happens, I could at least you know continue to build my products for six months without any major disruption, right? Those kind of things. Uh, will that stick around in the long term, being in the next ten years? Probably not. Um, but will it go back to how it was before? I don't think so. I think that over the next few years, we're going to see form out of all of these different approaches and things that are happening now, um, a set of new best practices, right? A set of new in, in industrial norms uh, as to how supply chains are managed. I've heard stories of uh, some automakers producing the car to almost completion, maybe with the uh, exception of the actual boards that have certain semiconductors that are in low demand or in high demand, but in low supply rather. And they're actually rolling them off the production line and coming back after the fact. Is that, have you heard or can confirm yeah, we, that, we, that? Yeah, we, we've heard that um, for sure. Um, you know, that, like I said, there's certain aspects of a car that as a consumer, right, as you and I may consider as a luxury, uh, right, um, heated seats perfect example um, you can roll a car off without heated seats and if you want to give your customer a discount for taking it without just so they can deliver it earlier i think that's a, that's a good way of mitigating some of the potential revenue loss right and um, but then you've got other more critical ones for example an mcu in the central control unit <laughs> of the car right that is a safety issue and so that can't happen so you, i think what you what you've got here is clearly as i said very tactical uh, approaches to solving some of these problems in the short term um, and doing exactly that is is a good example of it right strip out some of the the non-essential um, and offer discounts to your customers so that you can deliver those those products right is there one any one specific step that all automakers are taking to circumvent the these supply chain challenges are they different for each player or uh, you've mentioned a number of them. Um, is there one that is sort of uh, right across the board they can avoid a step to circumvent these challenges? Uh, in the short term, I don't think there is a silver bullet, right, to be clear. So 
Uh, I think there it very much comes down to relationships. Um, and I think a lot of the automakers, so you know, the guys that actually produce the cars, they've been a few a few tiers away from the semiconductor manufacturer, right? Um, they're not typically buying semiconductors directly themselves, so they don't have the relationship directly. Um, so I think the very short term has been on folk that they are all kind of doing is working on building those relationships, right? Establishing those relationships. Um, but what I can certainly say all of them. Uh, I'm yet to see a brand uh, that is not talking about a, a you know a 2025 stroke 2026 supply chain strategy, right? For for next generation of vehicle launches. Yeah, semiconductor manufacturers worldwide uh, are on track to boost wafer production capacity from the start of 2020 to the end of 2024, according to Industry Association Semi. What impact do you anticipate this having on the overall supply? Um, I think it will be a mix for different industries, um, and uh, some industries will benefit from that in the shorter term. Um, and some will not benefit from that for what I would say the longer term. So if you look at automotive, again, as a, as a good example, they have a very long design cycle for a car. Um, and because of how uh, governed um, changes to the components are that go in that vehicle, they need to lock down a, a, a certain type of semiconductor or a certain node, as we would call it, a, tech, a technology uh, for, let's say, five years. Now, any of these new, what we call fabs or fabrication facilities that are going to be producing these uh, new, or providing additional capacity for semiconductor components, um, they are really, you know, number one, they're really expensive, right? So you, you're going to find a lot of the companies that are investing in those are going to be investing in the next generation of semiconductor technology, okay? So what that means is we're not adding capacity to the current market, we're adding additional capacity to the next market, right? The next generation. Some uh, market segments will be able to adapt quite quickly and change to different technologies. Uh, automotive is one of those that they can't, and obviously because of the amount of quality related aspects that need to be considered. If you're changing a component in a car, um, there's a safety aspect that needs to be considered, much like the same as for an airplane, right? You, you can't just swap this part for this part. It's uh, heavy, heavy, heavy uh, levels of uh, qualification going to that. So I think it will have a, a different set of impacts to different uh, market segments. Um, but I think this is also clear for, for automotive car makers. And this is why one of their major focuses is on securing new supply chain practices in the future, right? So 2025, 2026. Uh, and locking it down now, right? So I, we know they're having those negotiations already uh, with the companies that produce these semiconductor manufacturers to talk about what volumes can I get uh, in 2025, right? So when we're not, we're no longer talking about I place an order today and I can get parts in 25 weeks, whatever the lead time is. We're talking about I need to build cars in four years' time. Let's talk about reserving that allocation right now. Very different. No kidding. Absolutely. Well, the current state of advanced packaging in the semiconductor value chain finds that urgent action is required to strengthen domestic packaging ecosystems to meet these uh, increased production of semiconductors. Uh, 
without which uh, the semiconductor supply chain is likely to remain weak and vulnerable. What would you say is the role of advanced packaging in driving innovation in semiconductor designs? I think collaboration, I, I think, is key. Really trying to be on the, the front end, uh, or those particular companies need to be on the front end of the, the technology curve. Um, so that as those new products are being, um, you know, being uh, designed and those new semiconductor components are being um, you know, positioned for release in a couple of years' time, um, but they're really working closely with those semiconductor manufacturers to understand the need for capacity, right? And I think this has been one of the, the biggest challenges for the market overall is that lack of um, open collaboration between all of the parties involved in producing something. Um, and this, you could say, is one of the major drivers actually behind the current issue. Um, you know, lots of big technology uh, advances, 5G rollout, for example, was it forecasted, right? Was it forecasted in advance enough to know that we're going to deplete global capacity, just as one example. Um, so it, the same applies for those guys. Um, so again, a lot of short-term stuff going on. Um, semiconductor manufacturers uh, frequently adding new test houses, new packaging houses uh, into, the, into the production um, process, uh, and they'll continue to do that. But I think collaboration uh, is going to be critical moving forward. Now, with you, you mentioned um, your direct relationship and communications with semiconductor players. How often does Abnet Silica connect with these with these players and in, in the uh, supply chain? Um, well, it's a, I would say as a constant. Um, so our role, primarily our core business, is we are a distributor for those semiconductor manufacturers. So they are our both our supplier and our customer in that regard. Right? They are in the vast majority of the cases providing Avnet with the, the, they are funding us to distribute their products, right? So we're very well uh, connected to them. Um, and our role is, uh, I guess, now starting to, to broaden as a distributor. And, and rather than seeing us as a distributor only, um, a lot of, uh, whether it be large customers or even from a supplier perspective, are seeing us more as a, as a partner for supply chain management, right? Um, just because we have that competence as an organization and we have that infrastructure and network um, in order to facilitate and enable the market. If I recall correctly, I attended uh, the Automotive Electronics uh, Conference in Detroit, Michigan, 12, 15 years ago. And uh, the pundits at the time uh, field experts reference the cost of manufacturing a high-end vehicle. Electronics uh, represented 40% of the cost of manufacturing a high-end vehicle in those days. Um, today, where would you put the cost of the electronics part of it, components and systems of the cost of making a car today? Um, so it was going to vary. Because um, you've got some big players, right? I mean, you look at some of the large German uh, car makers, the volumes that those guys put through in terms of cars is so big that they're going to, you know, it's, it's not going to be as impactful for them. But you look at some of the more niche uh, manufacturers that only really produce a low volume of high-end vehicles. So it's going to be a range. But what I can say is that we estimate the content per vehicle uh, of, of semiconductor is probably around $700 um, or something like that. Now, to put that in, again into perspective, 
15 years ago, you would have been talking like $50, $60. And I'm not accounting for inflation and things like that, uh, but just the sheer content. But like anything, as the content and the volume increases, that, that price, that cost is also going to um, start to, to, to kind of linearize a little bit there. Um, but that being said, uh, we would estimate it is probably higher now um, just because the, the, the constraint in the market has driven costs up for semiconductors. Um, so that has continued to increase. Sure. Now, as the automotive industry transitions to the increased production of electric vehicles, will this put less or more pressure on semiconductor reliance? More, more in our view. Um, and not only for the actual, um, the actual vehicles themselves, um, but for all of the infrastructure around it. Right? Think about charging stations. Think about all of the components required for the hundreds of thousands of charging stations you're going to need. Uh, within large areas um, for them to be used. Think about, you know, battery technology. Think about all of those things. And even more so when you get into this, the idea of the connected car, right? Um, 5G is going to play a role. You want a car to talk to another car. You're not talking about automotive necessarily at this point. You're talking about networking uh, and communications tech. So there's kind of an exponential effect um, and it kind of snowballs because as technology advances, the, the, the semiconductor requirement just continues to, to increase, which is why we often say, uh, slightly jokingly, that our business is as challenging as it is, it's, it's a good business to be in because it's not going anywhere any, anytime soon, <laughs> right? For sure. Um, Matt, have there been any signs of supply chain issues easing within the semiconductor stock levels or is there still a ways yeah. to go? Um, no, there, there has. So we, we have seen easing um, and for you know, it really depends on what we call product, product business group or, or category. Um, so certain products have been freeing up. Um, one of the major constraint components at this point though remains to be the, the microcontroller unit. And so what that does is actually provide a slightly adverse picture if you look at the financials of certain companies, because you will see that their inventory days starts to increase, but their finished goods starts to decrease. And that's because they're receiving the material that they, they need, except <laughs> for what they really need to actually produce the finished goods. Um, and so, yes, I would say we are, but not where it counts if that makes sense, not where it's really needed from an automotive perspective. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Abnet Silica, obviously a specialist with um, semiconductor distribution. What other electronic design sectors have been the most impacted uh, aside from automotive? Um, I would say consumer goods, for sure. So, I mean, you look at, uh, and that's probably more so, that is, I would say more directly correlated to uh, the pandemic because of the huge surge on uh, the work from home uh, concept, right? Um, so suddenly people are buying another monitor at home. Suddenly people are buying a printer. Uh, suddenly people have got a lot more time at home and they want to buy, you know, the latest games console. Uh, I won't use names, but, you know, there's certain games consoles you cannot buy right now right um same with uh, with mobile phones same with all of those kind of things so consumer absolutely um and then the next big one would be uh i would say the 
depends how you categorize it, but networking stroke communications. And again, I'd say driven very much so by the quite directly by the pandemic. If suddenly you've got everyone working from home and everyone is on you know Teams and Zoom and all that kind of stuff, the requirement for the data center and cloud and, and all of that infrastructure is suddenly massively increased as well. So um, I think that's uh, those would be the the main the main ones. So for those consumers waiting on the arrival of their new vehicle purchase, how do things look moving forward over the next year or two, especially with the EV issue as well, if they choose to go that route? Sure. Uh, I'd say, I mean, right now I'm, I'm hearing six to, six to eight months um, is what it is. I am sure there will be levels of creativity in that, right? Um, like, like we spoke about earlier, there will be, you know, you can get it sooner without X, Y, and Z. Uh, things, but that's I would say a pretty sensible um, expectation um, to be to be thinking around that six month mark at the minimum. Okay. Well, the scary thing is we really don't know what other hiccups may be waiting around the corner for the global supply chain of semiconductors. I suspect the electronic design community will have to remain alert and nimble uh, as we move through these challenging times. This has been an incredibly interesting conversation, and it certainly has me hesitating about the purchase of my next automobile. I would really like to thank our special guest, Matt Bransom, Director of EMEA Supply Chain and Operations with Abnet Silica. Thank you for joining us, Matt. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Stephen. And thank you to our audience for listening in. Until next time, take care.